Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Across from him, Thomas makes the block, and this one off the hands of Evan Ingram. Wentz throws, pass is caught. Touchdown, Boston Scott. What's that old saying, Dan? You always say the Giants find new ways to lose. Man, this one is extra painful. Up 21-10 in the fourth quarter, and they can't close out these Eagles, who, as we talked about, they don't have anyone I've ever heard of that Carson Wentz is throwing the football to. The kid Hightower made the big catch to get the Eagles kind of rolling when they were down, and then the Giants have a chance to close the ball game. Daniel Jones makes kind of the throw of his career at this point, right? This is going to win them the game. As you wrote on Giants Wire, this is going to put the Giants all alone in first place in the NFC East at 2-5, and five, right? If, if Engram just squeezes this football and it glances off his fingertips, and now the Giants are 1-6 and six in playing the Bucks this weekend. So every time we think we're taking a step forward, we take three steps back, don't we? It's very frustrating. It's it's almost ironic in a way. You've sort of gotten so used to the Giants losing. If you're a fan of the team, you cover the team, or you're involved with the team over these last few years to the point where you're almost numb to it. But that one, that one stings, and that one's going to sting for a while, and it's probably going to have long-lasting ramifications. Watching the game live on Thursday night, the thing I didn't love was Engram's reaction after he dropped the ball. Like The ball glances off his fingertips, and he just didn't, yeah. re- didn't react. He just kind of, eh, you know, you win some, you lose some, and jog back to the huddle. And I don't know why, Dan, but like he's had drop problems throughout his career, right? This, he's someone who has not been able to hold on to the football. The Giants have been trying to figure out all kinds of different ways to get him involved. They can't really seem to figure out this player, right? They can't figure out how to maximize this player they drafted with a really high draft pick. I think it was, what, number 23 overall in 2016 they drafted Ingram? So Yeah, this, and um, yeah, go ahead. Like I said, I was going to say, like, I, like I've said a few times before, and I, I want to bring this stat up right out of the gate because I think it's important, and you've heard me say this earlier this year. The Giants have 13 turnovers on offense this year. Five of them involve Evan Ingram. Six of them, actually, if you count uh, that that fumble that was attributed to Jones on the toss a couple weeks ago. So just the ball so bouncing off his roughly, hands. And... Rough, yeah, roughly half of the team's offensive turnovers directly involve him, and that doesn't even account for the drops like the one at the end of the Philly game. Right, and I don't know Evan Ingram, and he stood up at the podium and talked about the drop and, and all that and how it can happen, how he's got to, you know, he, he owned it. And, and that's that part you like, but did. why did I want to see him react differently on the field, Dan? Why did I want to see him yeah, like, slam his hand on the turf or, or do something? As a fan, I like to see that emotion, you know what I mean? And to not see it from yeah. him, it's just like, I'm, I'm almost like, I'm almost out on this player at this point. I'm like, I'm almost like, hey, November 3rd trade deadline, like, let's call up Bill Belichick and trade the guy for a draft pick or something because the Patriots need a tight end bad. Uh, you know, it's, like, figure it out because so, I'm, over, I'm out. I'm exactly. It. It's so it, it's so funny that you say that because I had that thought this, this week, last week. If he was on a Belichick team, I, I just have this feeling that he'd be lighting the league up. And for some reason, he just can't seem to get it together with the Giants. And you're right. The complete lack of emotion after that drop, it was a little stunning because it's not just any, any drop. It's not just a drop. It's the drop. You drop the pass. You cost your team the game. You've cost your team first place. You cost them beating the Eagles in Philadelphia, which, as we know, is not something this team has done in an awfully long time. So when you combine all those things together... And 
and you see him just casually trot off the field. Granted, I know that it sucks for him. As a former player myself, I know how terrible that must feel. But to not show any emotion whatsoever, if I were one of his teammates looking at that, I wouldn't want to be sitting on him, uh, sitting next to him on the bench after that, to be honest. I agree. I'm not I'd like... I'm not saying he's a bad person. I know he, he that no. probably ripped him up inside, you know, and that was just his, mm-hmm. that was just his reaction. But yeah, I just for some reason, I wanted to see him openly gutted. I wanted to see that affect him more on the field. So that did drive me crazy. And, you know, the fun things that fans and reporters can do, Dan, is we can look back at the draft, right? We can look back after a few years and look back at the draft. I think GMs won't want to do it. GMs don't want to look back at the draft after a few years to see, oh, man, who could we have picked with this pick, right? The Giants invest this first round pick in, in Evan Ingram on the board were some current NFL freaking studs like Trey White over in Buffalo, TJ Watt in Pittsburgh, Buda Baker, Dalvin Cook out in Minnesota, Juju Smith-Schuster, like Man, there are some players on the board, and now I think at this point we've been scratching our head about Evan Ingram for a long time, and it's like it feels like now we're the Giants whiffed on this pick, right? They missed this pick because it seems it, like at some point they're going to have to cut ties with this player, either, whether it's at the deadline right now or in the offseason. Well, they picked up his fifth-year option, so if they don't trade him, they're probably not going to part ways with him. And okay, good point. The reports you know, from you know, Rapport and some others, SNY is another one. They're saying straight up the Giants have no intent on trading Ingram. They've received calls. Calls. They've been rebuffed unless there's some sort of blowaway offer a la Odell Beckham Jr. There's there's no way they're going to trade him. And, and to me, I think it would just benefit both sides at this point to start fresh. And I know nobody wants to give up on talent. That's a common saying, especially in New York. Joe Judge is a guy who repeats that ad nauseum at this point. But listen, the guy is not performing well. He's actually hurting the team at this point. They're not using him correctly. They can't seem to find ways to make it work by trying to do reverses and runs and use him all over the field. And it no doesn't matter where you put him. No matter how athletic this guy is, no matter what he brings to the table as far as a unique raw skill, if he can't come up with those big catches and those big moments and he can't do his job, then it's time to just cut your losses and move on. How many more times is Daniel Jones going to toss a winning pass his way and have it bounce off the palm of his hands before somebody says enough is enough what are you hearing from like giants fans on twitter and stuff and on giants wire like it seems like they're kind of fed up with the player too uh that would be putting it lightly yeah um, <laughs> right right, right. I, I wouldn't repeat a lot of what they're saying uh but yeah they're they're pretty pretty well done they're pretty well done with evan ingram at this point all right we'll pick this discussion up on the other side along with uh some some notable giants players hanging out with uh hold on let me check my notes here a dj lughead all right we're gonna have to talk about, <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about this story too people might be making fun of me dan for not knowing who the hell dj lughead is but i'm just a sports geek but you know we're gonna have to talk about this coming up here on the other side hold your thoughts dan we'll be right back fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends sit them start them these are the fantasy picks of the week it will kill me if this game ends in a tie i need this win this game's pretty much done with Corey bonini from the huddle.com Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here. Let's talk about Week 8 strong plays as we approach the critical time of the fantasy football season. Despite what has been an awful season for Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz, now is the time to get him into your lineup. The Dallas Cowboys are actually a statistically mid-range defense against quarterbacks in 2020, but the position has still averaged 25.5 fantasy points per game and has thrown 15 touchdowns in 7 contests versus just 1 interception. Wentz has been a turnover machine in 2020. Expect that trend to be bucked this week. He has just enough weapons 
Higgins to be relevant in a fantasy football lineup. Not much has gone right for the New England Patriots on either side of the ball in 2020. Running back Damian Harris could be the bright spot this week against the Buffalo Bills. Injuries have plagued this defense, and Buffalo has given up 15% more fantasy points than average in the last three games, fueled by four touchdowns allowed in those three contests. With Cam Newton struggling so much throwing the ball, look for Bill Belichick to give it to the running game more than usual. The Seattle Seahawks have been a wealth of fantasy points for wide receivers in 2020. 49ers receiver Brandon Ayuk has a chance to shine in Week 8. Seattle has been hilariously bad against wide receivers in 2020, giving up 60.1 PPR points per game. The next closest team is Cleveland at 48.3. San Francisco just lost Debo Samuel for a couple of games with a hamstring injury last week, and you can bet Ayuk, who has been a consistent contributor as a rookie, will find various ways to perform up to par in fantasy football in Week 8. Seattle has to focus on containing George Kittle, and that will give a lot of opportunities for Ayuk to use his speed down the field. Chicago Bears tight end Jimmy Graham gets a rematch against his former employer facing the New Orleans Saints. Tight ends have scored once a game on average versus this defense, and four different players have logged at least a dozen PPR points against New Orleans in 2020. Graham doesn't even need a lot of volume in this one to offer a better than average chance at finding the end zone in week eight. For all of your fantasy football tips, information, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. What do you think happened on that play? Yeah, um, got got the look we wanted, third down. Um, got man look, one on the inside fade. Um, DJ threw a, a great ball, just didn't, didn't finish the play. Is that a play you expect to make or you think 100%. you should have made? Yeah, 100%. I got I to gotta make that. Hey, Evan, um, what's the frustration level between that play at the end of the game and then the interception where the ball kind of bounced off your hands? Just how frustrated is it that things like this keep happening and just where are you at right now? Yeah, um, it's tough, you know. Um, don't want to be on the on the short end of, of a turnover, um, and uh, I got to be better with mechanics and small things, and um, it sucks. Uh, it's a sucky feeling right now, um, but just got to get back to work and correct those things. Yeah, you know, Evan Ingram, Dan, has been in the league long enough to correct some of these mistakes. He's a veteran at this point, you know. So, I mean, these questions, it's, it's, it's interesting as a reporter, right? You're just, you're peppering them with questions being like, how much does this suck, Evan? How, how bad does this feel? You know what I mean? You just keep peppering them with that question to see if you can just kind of pull some type of emotion out of him. But you can tell he's just kind of a calm, cool, and collected guy. He's not going to like, he doesn't seem like he's a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve. Not too much. And I do give him credit and, and throw some respect his way for manning up and facing what he knew was going to be a miserable round of questioning, um, especially you know in New York where the guys are going to ask you the same question 50 times 50 different ways. So, you know, kudos to him for answering the questions, but man you got to offer up something more than we need to get it corrected. How many more times oh, do we man. have to listen to that line? Ad nauseum, right? Ad nauseum. It's yeah. Joe Judge's favorite line too. But yeah. man, God bless the Giants. One and six and uh, but there's still storylines all over the place. Talking points, Dan. Uh, DJ Lughead. Uh, you know, for, so for me, like, I, I need for, for First of all, I would like you to just give a nutshell version of what this story is real quick for people. But if I hear that Daniel Jones is out partying with DJ Lughead and, and throwing a few back after the Thursday night football game, I would hope that they would complete that 21 to 10 lead in the fourth quarter and finish off the Eagles. Yeah, right. You know, like if, if my guy's out there maybe breaking some COVID protocol, partying out in New York City, I'll give him all the respect in the world if it's if the Giants are uh, six and one, you know, but when you're one and six, Daniel Jones, like I might want you to be like 
focusing on being a better quarterback than out there partying after a loss. But please, what's going on with DJ Lughead, Dad? Tell me. Well, first of all, I agree with you on that. I think that's one of the most yeah. frustrating aspects of this entire story. You've got no business after blowing that lead in Philadelphia to go to last place out celebrating. Give Thank me a you. break. Thank you. Uh, as far as the uh, the story itself, it's really still developing. Uh, no one's entirely sure what exactly happened. <laughs> there was reports that they were out breaking COVID protocol. Players from Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, who were the most obvious two to Austin Mack, Benjamin Victor, as well as Sterling Shepard. But apparently they went to a private dinner. Lughead was serving as their driver, is what the story is now. And after the private dinner, which involved Shepard, they took off to another bar that was allegedly closed to the public, what have you. Bottom line is, however, the video shows what the video shows. And that's one thing that stands out above all else is a week removed or a week uh, prior to ACL surgery, Saquon Barkley's riding a bicycle around, dancing around to music and, and things like that, which not just blows my mind. Not great. And uh, no, not at all. And then, of course, you see Jones, who's not only outside, but inside the bar, not wearing his mask either time, taking a sip of a drink handed to him by some women who no one seems to know who it is. You know, you essentially put your entire team at risk at that point, whether or not you agree with the COVID protocols on the team level, the league level, or the city level, or even the state and federal level, you can make whatever argument you want to. The bottom line is these are two Giants captains coming off an embarrassing loss in Philadelphia, breaking multiple protocols potentially. And it's just not a good look, especially when those two in particular have been in all sorts of PSAs telling people to wear their mask. And Jones was going off about how it's easy for him because all he ever does is go to work, go home and go to sleep and then recycle. And it's just, it's just from optics standpoint, it's just a terrible look for this team, period. Whether they end up disciplined or not, it's a nightmare scenario and not anything that they should have been involved with. Yeah, I mean, you got to think maybe, I mean, if the NFL looks into this and they, there could be fines coming, there could be fines. I would I would highly, well, I, mean, they, I wouldn't expect a suspension yeah, they, or anything, but fines. That, well, they just fined the Tennessee Titans, yep, yep. what was it, $350,000? And this comes on, you know, <laughs> on the heels of them finding a whole bunch of Raiders players. I think it was 30 grand for one and 15 grand for all the other ones for violating these protocols at, at a charity event. I mean, again, I, you can make all the arguments you want about freedoms and this, that, and the other thing. The bottom line is the rules are the rules. And by all accounts, they broke those rules. And for so for me, here's how I know like it's a real story because when DJ Lughead goes out there, posts some stuff on social media, then takes it down and says, "Oh no, no, that was last year." <laughs> yeah. that was a, so you know now that this is 100 yeah. percent true. This happened. This absolutely happened. Yeah. And and, and, well, and now, now see, I was careful in how I covered it because I wasn't 100 percent sure what I was right, seeing in that right, video. Right. But I thought for sure that I saw Austin Mack in that video, which was later reported to be the case. Now Austin Mack is an undrafted receiver this year. So the whole notion that this is some year-old video, boy, that would be pretty amazing that they were hanging out with those guys a year ago, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's seriously, seriously. And I, <laughs> I think so. I don't know how angry Giants fans really are at this. They're probably more uh, PO'd about the, the Thursday night loss, to be honest, and the, fa and the, the yeah, missed opportunity. Are. But still, I mean, as a, just a football fan, this is the kind of crap that could screw it up. Like, COVID cases are going up. This yep. is the time to be careful. You know, just don't put yourself in harm's way, whether you're wearing a mask or not. Just don't put yourself in harm's way when you don't need to. And this well, is the kind of thing Barkley. that Especially could... Think right. about that. Oh, God, this guy's yeah. about to go yeah. under the knife and Crazy. he's playing games with COVID. Like, this is literally the only thing that could... This is what could derail the entire NFL season. So, please, yeah. Giants. No, it could. Don't take us down with you, Giants. Don't take the whole league down yeah. with you, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've already seen that. I mean, how close is this league to having to create new weeks to the season? Because 
because of players doing things exactly like this. Now, it may turn out that the Giants were all, you know, these players were all well within their rights and they were with people who were tested and, and okay and in the bubble. I don't know, though. I mean, who who has ever heard of DJ Lughead before? It's not like he's been hanging around the team that anybody knows about. So, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that's going to be the case. And I'm curious to see what Joe Judge has to say about that today. He's going to meet with us in about an hour and a half from now. And I'm really curious to see what he's got to say about that. It'd be must-see TV. I'm guessing Joe Judge didn't set up the meeting with uh, Lughead. You know, I, that, that's just my guess. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm so, going to guess not. And then again, going back to Barkley, I mean, listen, you got to be smarter than that. You're about to go under the knife. If you get COVID just out messing around and you have to push off your surgery, every day that you push that back is one day next year that you're not going to be there in training camp. And it's the get it factor. It's a lot of young talent on the team, but like, do they get it? Do they get it? You know what I mean? Like, do you get what it is yeah. to be a leader of a franchise? And I think the jury's still out. And, that, and that's exactly. And that's the other amazing part of this. These are two of the team captains. There's other guys that are looking at you to lead both on and off the field. And this is not how you do that. You wrote on the Giants wire that, hey, the NFC East is still there for the Giants, even though they have like a very <laughs> slim chance. There's still a chance because this uh, division is so putrid, but I think the Giants could be looking square in the barrel of one and seven this weekend. And we'll talk about that one here coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 8 Monday Night Football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New York Giants. The Bucs at 5-2 are favored by 10.5 points with minus 115 odds. The Giants, 1-6, are getting 10.5 points at home, minus 106 odds. They're also plus 390 on the money line. Jeff, is there any way listeners can take the Giants in this game? Oh, absolutely. I'm on the Giants plus 10.5. Tampa Bay will be without uh, one of its best wide receivers in Chris Godwin, and the Giants have covered seven over the last eight when getting double digits since 2004, including earlier this year against the Los Angeles Rams, who are a good team. Oh, get out of here. The Giants' offense, an absolute mess. The Bucks. They have won every game by at least seven points, four by at least 14 points, five different leading receivers. That Giants defense doesn't have it to stop them. Subscribe to Bet7 Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. So, Dan, I've said on previous episodes of this podcast that we've been doing, um, I think this is our ninth episode, so kudos to you for uh, showing up every week with me. I really appreciate you. <laughs> um Tom, Tom Brady's kryptonite, kind of the Giants, kind of the Giants. Like he's, you know, his numbers and his history. And there's a couple Super Bowls that really stick in my mind as a kid who grew up in New Hampshire watching all those games. There's a couple Super Bowls that still stuck in my craw, Dan. I can't really get them out. So the Giants have been Brady and the Patriots kryptonite for a long time. Now, obviously, Brady's with the Bucks. But I don't feel like the, the Giants are going to be Brady's kryptonite right now. This Buccaneers team is kind of rolling. The Giants are catching them on uh, on a tough time on Monday night. And these these late primetime games this week are, are kind of special, right? What is it, like Dallas-Philadelphia on Sunday night and then Giants-Bucks on Monday? Could be a chance for some people to go to bed early. I don't know. Like, these yeah. games could get ugly. Oh, boy, I wish I could go to bed early because I no, you got to work. I know this is not. I got to work. That's what I mean. And I know, I, I gotta I work know this is not going to go well. Yeah, like, I got to work. I, I don't care how what level of optimistic Giants fan you are. There's no way you're looking at this game and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, this is where the Giants are going to pick up their second win. I don't think so. I 
I think this is going to be this is going this might be 49ers game level ugly. Yeah, I mean, they're 10 point dogs. They're 10 point dogs in this one. And you know what? It just highlights how important that Eagles game was. We talked about it like, yeah, we talked about if they could just get a couple of these wins that they, you know, with teams in their weight class and the Eagles are clearly in their weight class, they could feasibly turn this thing around. But man, you just can't give them away. You just can't give them away. No. So this this just highlights because I, I do think this is going to be uh, one of those games. <laughs> I think, like, what do you see from the Bucks that impresses you most? It's like, for me, it's their defense. Their defense is ridiculous. They're so fast on defense. You cannot run the football against them. You just can't. So it's going to be all on Daniel Jones. <laughs> How ready is he to take on one of the best defenses in football with no running game and his terrible offensive uh, line? I mean, this could, this, could be a, this could be an ugly one. This really could. I'm... I'm legitimately afraid that he's going to get injured in seriously, this game. Seriously. Uh, because, I mean, there's listen, there's no way that the Giants' offensive line as it sits now is going to handle a, a group that, you know, consists of players like Ndamukong Sue and William Golston and Jason Pierre-Paul and Devin White and Shaq Barrett. I mean, give me a break. I mean, this is this is this has the potential to be this has the potential to be really bad. And I know there are Giants fans out there who's not going to want to hear that level of pessimism. But listen, I've been glass half full all year long. You have. All year long. I give you credit. It's been it's re- repeatedly bit me and uh <laughs> granted you, you know they yeah they granted they they fought they fought in a lot of these games and with the exception of the 49ers game they've really been in every one of them they've had an opportunity to win every one of them but when you go down the tampa bay buccaneers roster uh, down their depth chart it is light years ahead of any team that they've played this year and light years ahead of where they are right now one of the giants biggest problems is how thin they are and one of the buccaneers greatest strengths is how deep they are so we're gonna see the giants get beat up pretty good pretty good like you're you're going into the into the ring with Mike Tyson at this point in his prime and it's just it's not going to go well could be interesting either Joe Judge maybe he suspends Daniel Jones for one week just to keep him safe from healthy yeah exactly (laughs) put the the backup quarterback in and just let him get destroyed no uh but you know maybe we see how he responds because he's going to get some negative he's gotten some negative press here obviously with the uh with the lughead situation so uh you know we'll see how he responds against uh i mean if go giants fans can go look up aaron Rodgers' numbers against the bucks earlier this year it's scary it's a good defense it's a really good defense but it's crazy good and you know granted this is the team where that you know jones had his greatest career moment to date against but this this team this year now is so different from where they were in week three of last year that I don't even think you can look back on that game and be like, maybe Jones can pull it out again. The Buccaneers are just so deep, so fast, so physical, so sound most of the time. I'm not going to say all of the time, but most of the time. And of course, Brady, you know, he'll tell you, he'll tell you straight out that he's got a bad taste in his mouth over his career against the Giants. So it doesn't matter how down and out they are. He's just going to want to whoop them. Oh, he is. And, and that's just the kind of guy he is. Yeah, he is, and he's playing good football right now he is he really is is. so i think the giants are giving away or the the giants are getting 10 points at home uh, <laughs> I'm leaning Bucks. I'm leaning at least. This, I feel like this could be at least a two touchdown kind of game. I can't imagine that it's going to stay at that line, that line all week long. There's no way. It's it, you're right. It's at least a two touchdown game. Honestly, I wouldn't bet on it, but this very well might be a three touchdown game. But I would definitely bet on two touchdowns. Scary matchup for the uh, Giants O line for sure. So, so Dan, yeah. I, I got to say, like I said before we started recording, I, I spit out my coffee when I started reading the Lughead story and it broke on <laughs> the Giants wire. So I'll just be from here until Monday night. I'll just continue 
continue to pop up the Giants wire to see what ridiculous stories come out of Giants country next. Yeah, I mean, listen, at least they're giving us something to talk about, I suppose. Absolutely. No, no. Hey, for the talk show, it's it's tremendous. It's tremendous. So so uh, I, I, I make jokes about it all the time. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm not I'm not writing for Giants wire so much as I am TMZ sports. Dan, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. All right. All right. Take it easy, man. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.